designed to encourage everyone to engage in a big Bible theme throughout the week. And don't forget to share the teaching link or sermon with your friends. Let's grow together as disciples of Jesus. Hey, Cornerstone family and for whoever else is checking in, if you're checking in for the first time, just give us a thumbs up right now in the comments. Uh, and, and maybe where you're at, if, uh, if you've been checking in uh, this, uh, our past series and you're getting ready for this new series, uh, why don't you give us a, a, a location, maybe how many are in, the, in your room, uh, let us know that uh, you're watching and, uh, and, and uh, we just, we're just glad that you're here. We are beginning a new series, Church at Home. Uh, I guess this series should have began nine weeks ago, but here we are starting it now. Uh, wanted to uh, just... Uh, take some time and, and spend some time. And, and in this series, there's a link that you can click on uh, on our Facebook page. Uh, it's posted there. Uh, the small group series that goes with this, uh, it's from the Bible Project people. And uh, they're just great Bible teachers. And so in this series, you'll have an opportunity uh, to look at this topic in Scripture uh, and uh, hear a message that comes from uh, these texts and then take some time and discuss it within uh, your home group there, wherever you're at, with your friends at work, whatever, or just talk about it online. But uh, we want you to uh, uh, check into this week by week and, and really dive into this topic. And today's uh, biblical theme that we're looking at is water of life. Have you ever been thirsty? So thirsty, you thought you were going to die. Uh, about five years ago, six years ago, I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was, a, it was this week. Uh, almost six years ago, I think it was, that we, my wife and I, took a motorcycle trip uh, through the Canyonlands. And so, you know, uh, Colorado, New Mexico, Utah, uh, saw, the big, saw the big hole in the ground, Grand Canyon and all that. And uh, our first big trip, of the, our first big day of that trip was we started at Mesa Verde, Colorado, and we were going to ride to four, four Corners. And so we got on the bike that morning. Uh, checked out the uh, the park. We we hit the highway, and we got to Four Corners. If you've been there before, you know it's on an Indian reservation, and and you can literally put your hand in or feet in the states of four states at one time: New Mexico, Utah, Colorado, and Arizona, all at one time. And it was getting hot. We got there about about noon, about one o'clock, and, and and this is early May, and and we were expecting cooler weather, but it was hot that day. And so we asked one of the locals, like. Uh, hey, it, it's getting hot, like, already. And they're like, oh, yeah, we've been having some really hot weeks here lately. It's, it's odd, but yeah, about, about 1 o'clock, we all go in, take a siesta. We don't come back to the evening. And I looked at my wife, and she looked at me. Hold on a minute. That's exactly what we were thinking. We're going to die of thirst. So we got on the bike. I hammered down, and we were trying to get to Caliente, Colorado, which was about four hours away, and there's nothing between Four Corners and Caliente, Colorado, but desert, and it was hot, and as the hours ticked by, it got hotter and hotter. It got so hot, we ran out of all water. When I would come to a stop, I'd put my feet down, and my feet actually stuck to the road. The road was so hot. It was melting the soles on the bottom of my shoes. My wife was about, uh, if, if she could have killed me, she would have, but she didn't because I, I, was, I was riding a motor, or 
you know, driving the motorcycle. So anyway, we get to, we get to the Mexican restaurant, and we go in. We, I don't know what we look like, but we probably look like death. And we walked in there, and uh, the table waiter came over and brought a pitcher of water, and I said, bring three more. I, no joke, I said, bring three more pitchers. And we drank all that water. It was like you could not satisfy our thirst. We were so hot. Have you ever been so thirsty? Because it was just such, such an experience that you thought you were going to die. We're talking about water of life. And Jesus was tested. If you remember Matthew 4, he's tested. He, he, the Holy Spirit drives him out into the wilderness. And he's in, a, he's in a desert wasteland, not for an afternoon, but for 40 days. And out there, uh, he experiences all kinds of horrors uh, in this dry desert wasteland. And, and he's tested and he comes out uh, approved, to, uh, approved to serve the Lord, you know, because he, he, he just calls upon the Lord for his help. But, you know, Jesus, he talks about how demons and, uh, and, and evil spirits live in deserted and dry waste wasted places, waterless places. And so uh, when we think about dryness in Scripture, it, it's always connected to uh, a spiritual emptiness. And water is connected to life. And so over this uh, uh, nine-week period of isolation that you've experienced, I have heard, people have told me, or people have sent me messages, call, I've been calling them and talking to them, and people have talked about a spiritual dryness, a spiritual dryness. If you're experiencing a spiritual dryness over these past nine weeks, why don't you put a thumbs up in the comments right now and just let us know that you've been experiencing a spiritual dryness. And so um, uh, isolation makes our souls thirst for fellowship, right? Like we, it's not good for man or woman to be alone. We were created for community. God cre- lives in community. And so it's difficult. And so if you've been experiencing like a thirst in your soul, it's normal. It means the Holy Spirit is nudging you going, you need fellowship. You need to come together. And so we're hoping that will happen one day soon. But in these months, it's been agonizing uh, to go through this. And so sometimes, sometimes it's not just being separated from church. Sometimes it's weeks or months of a long, agonizing illness that brings a spiritual dryness to your soul. Sometimes it's the anxiety of a long drawn out court battle, a custody battle. Sometimes it's a, a it's the season that follows after you lose someone you love. Or it's that season after that follows a big breakup. Or it's that season of feeling very lonely and struggling with some type of internal uh, emotions that you just can't work through. I mean, all of us have experienced probably some spiritual dryness, some soul thirst. Uh, in our lives. And so um, if I'm speaking to you, uh, let us know, man. Give us an, uh, give us an emoji, uh, a thumbs up or something, a big, a, a big frowny face, uh, a face that looks like you're burning, you know, whatever, you know, like you, yeah, you've experienced that dryness. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes it's events that just befall us and we didn't look out for, it, but sometimes it's things we create that brings thirst into our soul. Sometimes our souls are thirsty because we're drinking from a well we shouldn't be drinking from, maybe one we've even carved out on our own. Jeremiah speaks to, to, to this to the old, in the Old Testament. He says, uh, for my people, speaking about Israel, speaking about God's people, have committed two evils. 
They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they've hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. In those types of arid lands, the most reliable, refreshing sources of water were springs that flowed from the mountaintops or flowed from, the, from some area. And, and so it was very satisfying, this cool and running and living water brought, brought life to people who, who desperately needed it, right? In contrast, the most unreliable sources in the Middle East would have been these handmade, uh, man-made cisterns where they would uh, take rocks and plaster it or dig a hole in the ground and somehow uh, get it to contain water. And that water over time, you know, catch rainwater, become brackish, full of bugs or whatever, uh, become foul, even, even poisonous at times. And so... Um, what Jeremiah is saying here is that, like, instead of God's people going to the going to to their Lord for living water, they went out and created their own sources of water, and it's it, it's water that is that is 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 deadly. Hold on a minute. Doing this right here. Some of you are probably getting thirsty right now. I bet you're probably getting up in your living room, going to your kitchen, and getting a glass of water. Is that what you're doing? If you're doing that right now, give us a water sign. All right, I got to drink this whole thing for the sermon's done. You guys are going to be here a while. All right, so anyway, <laughs> they, they would, Israel had turned from the dependable life-giving water, and they, now they were drinking from dead water, and, that, and that's idiotic. And so uh, they had turned from the living God, and they turned to dead idols. And in that idol worship, uh, some of that involved immorality of all kinds, of cutting themselves in strange ways, of... Uh, of getting drunk or getting high or whatever, uh, you know, they, they had. Uh, it even involved the sacrifice of humans, if you can believe that. That's what they had turned to. They had turned to from a God that was supplying all their needs as they needed them, and they turned to these dead gods that that brought that brought death, literally death, into their existence. Now let's fast forward from the Old Testament to when Jesus is in Jerusalem. And we're going to fast forward to a time where he goes down to Jerusalem. He, see, he appears to go kind of on his own. And he arrives at the, temple, or at the Feast of Tabernacles that's taking place uh, in the temple and in Jerusalem. And uh, this is an eight-day feast. Uh, it was the most favorite feast of Israel. Everybody loved this feast because it was just a fun time. Uh, Israel would move out of their houses and start living in tents for eight days. And uh, it was a time of great festivity, and, and, and it was intended to celebrate uh, the time where God had sustained Israel going through the wilderness, uh, and even that moment where uh, the, the, uh, the water flowed from the rock and, and, re and refreshed and nourished Israel. And so that it was this great, most popular feast of, the day, uh, of their days. And so they would come to the temple. Now, the temple was you know, began as a tabernacle, began as a tent, and then became this building. And that's a long story. But the point is that the temple was always meant to be a place where God's people would gather and be refreshed by hearing God's word taught. And then they would offer worship to God. But what happened after these years of going through the motions the religion of most of Israel had become lifeless, lifeless. 
and they would go through the motions. One of the things they did during the Feast of Tabernacles, which is really kind of fascinating, was every day at a certain moment of time, these priests would assemble along with the choir, and they would take a golden pitcher. Hold on a minute. This is great. It's going to be a long sermon. All right, they would take that pitcher, and they would march, ceremonially, they would march out, parade out to the, to the spring of Gion. And they would take this golden pitcher, and they would scoop up the water. And, uh, and then they would begin to march back, and they would sing different passages of the Old Testament. The choir would sing as they marched back to the altar that stood before the temple. And one of the passages they sang was Isaiah 12, 3 through 4. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. That's one of the passages that they would sing. They sang others, but there would be this this great choir would sing as they marched back from the spring with this water, and then they would pour it on the altar, and everybody would, you know, celebrate this moment. This ritual reminded them of when the water flowed from the rock in, the, in, in that Old Testament uh, wandering. And so Israel had, was going through the motions of doing this, but when Jesus arrives at that celebration, he's been watching what's going on. He's been looking around what's been going on in the temple proper. And what he sees is lifeless religion, dry religion. Have you ever been to a dry church? Don't say Cornerstone, because that, that would be bad. But have you ever been to a dry church experience? If you've been to a dry church experience, you know, uh, say, I've been to a dry church. Just put that in your comments. Uh, but, 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 but on this last day, on this eighth day, after that ceremony takes place, Jesus stands up on a wall, uh, uh, some type of rise where he can be heard and seen by everyone. And with outstretched arms and the loudest voice that Jesus could muster, he says this. If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers, living water. And so Jesus is motivated because he sees the lifeless religion of these Jews over the celebration. And, and, and he takes this huge risk to, to stand up in front of this massive crowds of tens of thousands of people. And he begins to cry out this verse. He begins to cry out, if anyone is thirsty, I can see you're thirsty your, your, your religion is dead. You're dying spiritually. He says, come to me. And so Jesus is saying, I will satisfy your soul thirst. And then John is, uh, it, it uses the word heart here, not, not cardia. There's a couple words for heart in the Greek. Uh, he, was, he uses the word kalia, which means like the soul, the, the spirit of a person like you know, from my heart, I love you, that, you know. And so, so what, what, what John is, is pointing to is a future event we're going to call the cross. But Jesus is looking back. He's quoting some Old Testament passages. And he's saying, there will be this one that will come that out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And Jesus is saying, I'm it. I'm that person. And so John puts this, uses this word heart here so that we know 
that he's pointing to a future event, the salvation that will be offered through Jesus from him. And he's also pointing to the event itself, I think, the event on the cross when Jesus died. And to make sure he was dead, the Roman centurion took a spear and thrust it up through his ribcage into his heart. And when his heart broke open, both water and blood flowed down that spear upon the ground. And so, so John is pointing us to that not only is Jesus the source of living water, but Jesus, through his salvation, is going to offer that living water for all who will believe in him, all who will come to him. Next verse, now, he's, now he, said, meaning he said this about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been yet given, had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus is pointing to this future moment when Jesus will offer himself. And what we can't miss here is that the Spirit is connected with living water. That metaphor, you know, there's a couple metaphors for the Holy Spirit. You know, wind is another one. But, but the Spirit is connected here in Scripture to living water. I'm thirsty again. Hold on a minute. i got to finish this jug. Woo! It's going to take a while. All right. So this living water is the, is the coming of the Holy Spirit into an individual. And the Spirit of God provides resurrection. It did for Jesus. How Jesus rise from the dead, the Spirit uh, enabled his body to rise up and walk in new life. That's what happens to us. We, the Spirit enables us to move in new life. The Spirit gives guidance for daily living. And the Spirit gives empowerment to live the full life. And so this is what every human is searching for, is searching what Jesus gives his Spirit. And without the Spirit, without the water, we die. With the Spirit, we live. No human can live without water. No human can really live without the Spirit. No human can really uh, can experience how, what God uh, ha- has given him. During this COVID-19 experience, you, you and I have lived without a lot of different things. There are things that used to be a part of our life, experiences, places we'd go, restaurants you eat at, you know, haircuts that you would get. You know, I know some of you are saying, like, when's he going to cut his hair? It's going to be a while. Like, I, I, this is like a, a thing for me. I'm going to wait till we come back. Maybe I'll get my hair cut during the sermon, you know, and we'll talk about the Nazarite vow. No, probably not. But anyway, uh, th- th- this COVID-19 experience has caused many people to live without all kinds of things. But you know what people are aching for? At least people that I'm talking to, they're aching for that fellowship, that reunion, that they're tired of the isolation. They're tired of being separate. God designed us. He knows what we need, and we need to be connected. And the way we're connected to Him is through the Spirit. So, you might be asking, Hey, preacher, how do I get the Spirit? I'm so glad you asked. I'm so glad you tuned in. You notice how I didn't say, so glad you, you, know, you came. Anyway, uh, here's the thing. We have to come to Jesus. We have to desire. The first way you do it, you desire a relationship with him, not a, not, not a religion, you desire a relationship with Jesus, for he's the source. So you got to desire that. And you know what? Some of you already know this. You might not be a believer. You might be checking this out for the first time. 
But eventually, every human cistern leaves our soul thirsting. And you know this. I know this. I was 29 when I figured that out. I was like, okay, I'm done trying my ways. I'm done trying drinking from, well, I'll tell you what all I drank. But anyway, the point is that I turned to Jesus because he gave me what I never could find on my own. And so eventually, a person will get thirsty enough, I hope, to reach for Jesus. Because Jesus gives what we cannot create, and that's life-giving water. And so one time Jesus told the religious leaders of that day, they're called Pharisees, there was another group called Sadducees, and still some other called scribes, but he turns to some of the religious leaders, and he says, hey, I want, to, I want y'all to know something. He says, pimps and prostitutes are going to enter the kingdom of God before you. Now, you know that hacked them off because they saw pimps and prostitutes as the untouchables. But you know why he said that? The reason he said that was, you see, the pimps and the prostitutes that Jesus was eating dinner with, the, the ones that he was talking with, they had tried religion and it left them lifeless. So then they tried irreligion. And you know what? It left them lifeless. But then the man who has living waters that flow from deep within him sits down and has a conversation with them, and they begin to discover that there is living water, but it's not found in them. You remember stories like the, like the woman at the well in John 4. If you've never read that story, you need to go read it. Not right now, but later. Uh, so the, my point is that we see people over and over again, when they meet Jesus, they just can't get enough of Jesus. Like uh, one, of our, one of our staff here, they have this T-shirt that says, Binge Jesus. Like instead of binging Netflix, like binge Jesus. And so it's so important. Like you, once you taste the living waters, you can't get enough of him. And so I, really, I mean, if, if this is brand new to you, if, you, if you're like, really? Try me out. Like, just try to just, just, just spend time with Jesus in the Gospels and, 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 and listen to worship music. You know, whatever you might be listening. Try listening to music that speaks to your soul and see if it doesn't change how you feel about yourself and, and give you new life in Him. Well, anyway, Jesus offers this relationship that they were looking for that they couldn't find anywhere else but in Him. And so the, Jesus is so fr- frustrated with the religious leaders because the, the Jewish religion kept pointing to a future Messiah, and Jesus says, here I am, and they rejected him. How do I receive the Holy Spirit? This is a very important verse. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So first, you ask to enter God's kingdom. You say, I want to be part of you, Jesus. And then, as Peter instructs those first hearers of the gospel message, he says, you need to turn from the things that are destroying you and, and be baptized into Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and you will receive a clean slate forever, plus the Holy Spirit that will renew you daily. Now, the Holy Spirit is working on the entire world. Jesus tells us that. The Holy Spirit... It's like the wind. It's blowing everywhere. He's blowing everywhere. And he's, he's trying to draw people back to the Father. And so you might be thinking, man, you know, I've been thinking about God here lately. You know, I, I wasn't thinking about God a couple weeks ago, but, you know, all this COVID stuff blew up. And people talking about uh, Armageddon. And uh, I watched all these movies about viruses killing the world. And, 
you know, I kind of started thinking about, you know, life might, uh, I might not be bulletproof. I, I might die one day, you know, you might be thinking like that. Well, good. <laughs> I'm glad. The Holy Spirit can work in all types of situations, and he's awakening, I think, millions of people to their need for God. Because if you don't know Jesus, you don't know life. If you know Jesus, you know life. And so the Holy Spirit is working on everyone, on, uh, on everyone. But here's what's so cool about when you accept Jesus, when you want Him to be your Lord and Savior, and you're baptized in Him, the Holy Spirit moves from working on you to in you daily, prompting you to call somebody who needs, a, needs an encouragement or, or go help somebody. Or I just heard a story the other day from one of my daughters was telling me about they were driving down the road, and they saw this mother and her child, and, and she was concerned about them, and she stopped and pulled over and offered them a ride, brought them out, and this woman began to cry, and, and, and she said, Dad, I was just like, I just knew I was supposed to stop and help this woman. How does that happen? I'll tell you how it happens. The Holy Spirit is working in us, prompting us to bring new life to others, like we are life givers. Because when we have the Holy Spirit in us, then we become a spring of living water. I'm preaching. Are you listening? If you are, give me a thumbs up because I can't tell right now. But I hope you are. So the point is this, that, that uh, I'm having fun. You should have fun with me right now. You should just, wherever you're at, you know, especially if you're alone, just jump up out of the couch and say hallelujah. You know, and just jump up and say hallelujah. Uh, studio audience is, uh, is helping me out here a little bit, well, at least one of them. One of them saved here. The rest of them, we're, we're not sure. But anyway, <laughs> all right, so, but every human need has, has a soul thirst, and it can only be satisfied in Jesus. Hold on a minute. I got to drink this whole thing before this sermon is done. Aren't you glad you came? I mean, aren't you glad you tuned in? All right, so consider, consider water, consider water. Think about all the needs we have for water. Our body is made up primarily of water. Our, our bodies can't function without water. Plants can't live and grow without water. Animals can't live and grow without water. Fish would not get very far without water. They'd just be piled up somewhere. You know, you got to have water, right? Uh, you got to have water to, to plant uh, uh, or to cook. You got to have water. Water makes power, right? You know, hydroelectric dams and that kind. Water for bathing. And some of you probably need to take a shower today because, you know, after eight weeks of COVID, it's time to take a bath, right? Um, some of you, uh, you know, you, you, we use water to purify things, too. Uh, we, we use water in, in all kinds of. We know we have a daily need for water. And we know civilizations and places on the earth right now that desperately need new wells for drinking water. And, and, and so we know water is essential for life. Are you getting the metaphor? Are you catching this? You can't have life unless the Holy Spirit is living in you. Like, there's no way. I know some of you might be right now like you're not believers or you're marginal kind of agnostics or whatever. I'm telling you a fact you know Jesus, you'll experience life. You get connected to a body of believers that know Jesus and love Jesus, you'll experience life. You go to a, a, a Christian concert like with Elevation Band or something like that, and you're in there like, what is going on here? There's life. The Holy Spirit's bringing life to that moment, to that place. And people are knowing that God is present, God is real, and we bring life to others. Just ask yourself a question. When you come into a room, 
Are you bringing life? Or are you bringing dryness? You know what I mean? Like, maybe you don't want to answer that where you're sitting right now, but you get what I'm saying. Like, nobody likes a dry waiter, right? We, we want someone to, like, when we used to go to restaurants from that day, we want, we want, we want a hostess or a, a table server that it brings life to the table. Nobody likes a dry socket, right? You don't like that. You don't like dry steak, dry turkey, dry chicken. Nobody likes anything dry. We want, we want life. You got it? All right. So anyway, uh, I, I, there's a ton of scripture about the Holy Spirit. We've got to read this one. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. What's Paul saying here? Paul is saying is don't waste your life like a stupid individual, uncontrolled, but be led and guided by the Holy Spirit that will bring meaning to your life. Don't waste your life. And so he gives a few ways how, and he talks about two communications. Communication to one another and communication to God. Some of that involves the reading of Scripture or the sharing of encouraging words, and some of that communication happens in singing psalms to one another and to God. Matter of fact, hold on a minute. Man, I, I can't go a day without drinking water. How about you? I can't get through this sermon without drinking water. Too many tacos for lunch. All right, so the point is this, that I don't know what the point, oh, here's what the point was. The point is this, that we bring life to others. The Holy Spirit's within us, and when we give praise, when we give thanksgiving, you know, to one another, like honoring them about the things that they're doing and, you know, in your life or other people's life, giving thanks for them, giving praise to God because He's the source of all life, giving thanks to God, we become rivers of living water to others. We're no longer dry people, Right? Like in the morning, I, I was thinking just the other day, I woke up and Marie woke up and I started to sing to her. And I said, you are so beautiful. And she looked at me and said, your breath is so foul. You know, I don't know if you sing at home, but I like singing at home. If you, if you sing at home to your family, we make up songs all the time. I'm being silly. We really do. We make up some of the craziest songs. I am so glad we don't have one of those things that listens to everything you say in your house because we would, they would hear some silly songs. But the point is this, that if you sing to one another, it's fun. It like, but when we sing to God, like, oh, come on. If you don't walk around and praise God, you are missing a blessing. If you're walking around complaining and agonizing about what you don't have, uh, you're, you're, your day is lifeless. But if you walk around praising God, you know, just like you have it on the radio when you're driving, you, you, you're giving praise to God, you've got your favorite worship tunes on, whatever it is, like, it brings life to you. Some of you know this. Right now, you're putting all these thumbs up because you know, you know exactly what I'm saying. Like, it brings life to you. So, so we have this communication with one another, communication to God, and, it, and, it, and it's initiated by the Holy Spirit, and it's bringing life to others. It's bringing glory to God. So consider how Jesus gave this living water. Consider other ways of bringing living water. Consider Jesus. Jesus cared for the sick. He hung out with people no one else would have. He ate with sinners. He brought justice to those who were experiencing injustice. Maybe your gift isn't singing. Like, 
I know some of you, your gift is not singing, all right? Like, I know that. But, but you have other gifts of generosity, of, uh, 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 of an intellect that can figure out problems and help people through difficult situations. Uh, some of you are healers. Some of you are nurses and doctors. I get that. Like, all of us have different gifts. Use your gifts to the glory of God, and you become living waters to others. Um, and so, uh, you know, this is what Jesus did. And when we, when we use what God has given us, when Jesus is within us, when the Holy Spirit is initiating these actions, we fill up. We get filled. We, you know, if you know what I'm talking about, if you know that, you know, share with somebody on this day, this link, about how important it is uh, to, to know this living water in, in, within you. And so, so here's the thing about, about this living water. And this is where we're all struggling right now. So I'm with you. Most of what the Holy Spirit likes to do in our lives usually takes place in community. And so it's just weird. It's just awkward right now that we are not together. And I get that, but this is just for a season. But for some of us, including me, it's a time to initiate on my own things that bring the living water back into my life. I, I don't have to have a church ser- service to worship. I don't have to be at church to worship. I don't have to have an offering bag to give. I don't have to, uh, I don't have, to have somebody read the Bible. I can read it on my own. You know, there's all kinds of things that we can initiate on our own. And, you know, when you start doing those things, because here's a great time to learn some of those things if you've not learned them. Uh, when you're doing those things, you begin, to, you begin to experience a filling up. Because the Holy Spirit comes in us when we, when we sign on with Jesus. But there's a daily need, is there not, to refill the cup, to refill your soul on a daily basis. Sometimes when you're working hard, when it's difficult, when you're going through the desert, maybe if you're going through desert right now, let us know. You need water moment by moment. Man, I'm thirsty. When we fill back up, we share. And then when people share, we get filled back up. And so all this takes place. And this is why living in isolation is such a struggle so come to Jesus, come to Jesus and walk with the Spirit, and you will be filled with living water. The image of God being the source of living water begins right at the beginning in Genesis 2, when in the garden, there's a river that flows from the center of the garden and splits in four different rivers that begins to nourish the earth. And then uh, uh, in Revelation 22, we read about the new heavens and the new earth. And the new heavens and the new earth, there's a river that flows from the throne of God and goes out and nourishes this new heavens and this new earth. And then in the middle of this grand story we call the Bible, there's all these little stories about, about the use of water and it bringing salvation or satisfaction to people who are dry. Uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all dug wells in an arid land so they could find substance. And God showed up at those wells. God shows up at those wells. When, when Israel is in bondage and they come uh, out of slavery from Egypt, God separates the Red Sea and they go through the middle of the Red Sea and the Red Sea delivers them, if you will. Uh, they go through a baptism, if you will, the Red Sea, and they come up on the other side free with God. 
And then when Jesus stands up and says, if anyone thirsts, come to me. Some of you understand exactly. Some of you are like Ezekiel's, your dry bones. And you need Jesus more than you need anything else. So if you have not made a decision to follow Jesus, make one. And then each and every day, try to fill yourself up by reading the word, by sharing your praise with God, by encouraging others, by acts of service and love and generosity, acts of justice to places who are receiving injustice. And you will find that Jesus is right, that anyone can find a soul thirst satisfied in Him. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on the web at cornerstone.